Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Well, welcome to Midweek in the Word. We're thrilled that you're joining us, um, even as you're stuck in your homes or stuck in your cars a bit more in this current season. Uh, as you know, I am Pastor Brad, the Adult Ministries Pastor at Faith Bible Church, and back again with us is Pastor Tom, the preaching pastor, though he wasn't able to join us last week. Uh, and, and we've got a third guest. We actually have a particularly special guest, in my opinion, uh, Pastor Mike, our Body Life Pastor at the church. Um, and Mike, since most of the people at the church uh, maybe maybe don't know you personally, you're not up on stage frequently so that you can share your story a bit. Would you mind sharing with our body briefly on your story and, and how you're the body life pastor at the church now? Yeah, I do my best to um, fly under the radar as much as possible. Um, it's a good place for me. I'm much more comfortable there. But um, yeah, I am Mike um, Hertzler. I'm married. Um, heading on our 44th year this August. Wow. We have four children and 11 grandchildren. Um, I'm asking my children to give me at least a dozen. I'd like a baker's dozen. <laughs> this dozen. is the wrong way to deliver no, that, that message. That, 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 really is one <laughs> 13. that would be 13. So we can't threaten them. Yeah, I know. I'm looking for that. So, no, it's a, it's been a real privilege for me. It's um, trying to define body life pastor. I typically um, like to tell people I do everything that the adult ministry pastor doesn't like to do. So yes. I get all the, it's the old uh, life cereal commercial, um, give it to Mikey, he'll eat anything or do anything. So <laughs> if only that were true, you know, if only like, that were true, right. One of our presidents called that the trickle down theory. That's so, pretty much I what I get it. to do, but I love it. I mean, I think really to sum it up is um, it's a member care mm-hmm. component yeah. of the church. And most people question, you know, what that is. I also have the privilege of overseeing missions, but I got a phenomenal team of people that that help lead missions mm-hmm. at church. So that that's amazing in and of itself. I mentor a lot of couples, yeah. um, a lot of uh, young men, which I really find a great joy in trying to disciple them. But um, really, a, a vast majority of my time is spent in member care, hospital visits, mm-hmm. um, when crisis crises hit the mm-hmm. hit the body. And in different families, hospice, I spent a lot of time um, trying to encourage people through the challenges of life. Yeah. So, and, and I honestly, I, God, I think, has prepared me for that through some of the things that Jeanette and I have been through. So yeah. it's a real blessing, real privilege for me to serve at Faith Bible. Yeah, and we're going to come back to that topic of some of the things you've walked through in your own life personally a little bit later. And and that's the exact reason why we invited Pastor Mike to join us this week, is we recognize that you've walked through a lot of challenging times with, with members of our body over over the last 20-some years as a pastor. And and, and our entire body, we would recognize, is, is walking through a challenge together right now. And, and it's so weird since we can't be together to encourage each other in that challenge. So our hope is that this is like having a little bit of Mike in, in, your, in your home business visiting you uh, this week. We're going to pick his brain a little bit. But before we get to that, Mike, let me move back to Tom here. Uh, Because this last week, you were finally able to deliver your Joshua sermon after a week off. Um, And I think you were on time uh, for the record. So I think think it it worked well that way. Um, So you were in the book of Joshua. You were talking about the the character of Joshua in, in in our message that was delivered online. If you haven't checked that out yet, I would encourage you to go back to our website and watch through Tom's message on Joshua. Um, but from Joshua, 
First, let me just ask, Tom, what was it like preaching to an empty room? This is kind of new, I'm sure, for you. Well, I just tried to imagine that it was a typical Sunday morning, and it wasn't empty. People were just asleep as they normally are. (laughs) So that was uh, the—yeah, it was—it felt regrettably more like an information dump than like a shepherding feeding— but, you know, we pray that uh, God who could speak effectively through a donkey in the past could do it again. And it seems as though God did something as people heard it. Uh, he spoke from his word to a lot of hearts. But uh, it's going to be another challenge tomorrow night. <laughs> Amen. We will continue to try and do our best to shepherd the body uh, remotely, as challenging as that feels to us right now. Um, but on the topic of Joshua, uh, Tom, uh, we just want to real quickly go back through some of the high points of what you saw in the life of Joshua and preached on. What did we learn about God in the story of Joshua? I think the biggest thing, because we had another transition in leadership, is we find out that <laughs> circumstances change and times change and even men change, but God is unchangeable. His mm-hmm. plan is fixed and he works it out in his way. We saw that he is a conquering God. Yeah. Uh, he demonstrated that by flexing his muscles at the dropping of the walls of Jericho, mm-hmm. again with casting the hailstones and just marksmanship, amazing. He only hit the enemy, never once hit a Hebrew with it. So I think we see his strength, his sovereignty, his faithfulness there. Yeah, good reminder that God is ultimately in control of nature, uh, even in this season where we feel like we're under attack. Uh, What did it reveal about mankind or about us, the story of Joshua? Well, we're right back to the, the fickleness of humanity in that they had seen the faithfulness of God, the provision of God, uh, even even Joshua twice made major decisions without consulting God, and they mm. went bad on him. Yeah. But even at the end, 25 years in, with all the blessing that had been poured out, Joshua still had to stand up and say, you guys have got to decide. Are you going to bow to those idols, or are you going to serve the true and living God? So man is created to worship, but he doesn't automatically worship the God who mm. created him. Yeah, that final scene was a, a major point of what we discussed with Josiah at home on Sunday as we were covering the story of Joshua. Uh, finally, how did the story of Joshua point us to the person and work of Christ? Well, even the name Joshua is the Old Testament name Jesus. And so we saw him as God's provided Savior and deliverer, the one that, that leads us into the promised and blesses us there with his leadership and uh, and a host of other uh, connections. I, I, the further we go in, the more and more the pictures broaden of Jesus as we come. Mm. But Joshua is one of the classics. Mm. Good deal. Well, that was the story of Joshua. And like I said, I would encourage you to go back and watch that if you didn't get the chance to on Sunday. Um, but I want to shift gears here a little bit. Um, with, with Mike here, it's, it's, it's undeniable that we are currently either in or approaching a very challenging season, both as a community and as a church. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, fear. I know a number have expressed loneliness, being isolated in their homes even more so uh, than they maybe were before. Um, with this current season. And I thought it would be a good week to discuss briefly how it is that we appropriately express our pain um, to God. So, Tom, if you, can, if you can start us off on this theme a little bit, what is lament in Scripture? It is, is basically a grieving or a sorrow over someone or something that's been lost, hmm. uh, whether it's, the, it's the shattered hopes and dreams or it's loss of a loved one or... Uh, a change in, in a life that, uh, that shows up, but it, it's basically the heart crying out either at God or to God 
in the midst of some pain and affliction. Mm, that's really good. And and where do we run into that typically in Scripture? Where in the Bible um, do we see lament? Uh, I chewed on that one a lot, and and we see it all the way through. Uh, there is there is loss and sorrow and suffering. Um, and certainly, uh, the Psalms are just uh, just full of times of grieving over what was and what is not, what I had, what I don't have. Certainly, the Book of Job uh, yeah. speaks to that. He just his buddies tried to coach him through it, and they did a great job theologically and a horrible, horrible job shepherd-wise. Um, Job himself struggled with what what is the meaning of this and all. Uh, even even saw it in, uh, as I was thinking it through, uh, even in Jesus, when he wept over the people of the city, it, yeah. there was a, a sense of sorrow and loss of what could have been and was not. Yeah. It's, it's not as if pain and challenges are unique to our season or to the human condition. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so, so let me just ask a follow-up question that. What, what is the structure or how does it work? Because I don't know that any of us would advocate that we just complain to God all the time. You know, we're, we're, we're told to be content. We're told to be, you know, joyful, those kind of things. How, how does this lament work in Scripture? <sighs> One of the problems is, you already spoke to it, is that we have a tendency to think that truly spiritual people don't grieve or don't sense loss or they just they just stoically absorb the blows. Mm. And and I think even you know, Thessalonians 4, we grieve, we just don't grieve like those who have no hope. Yeah. So when you see it, I think the way you work it in is you look at the situation you look at the circumstance, you ask the question, is this blasphemy? Because often lament is, is expressed toward God. Uh, you know, Job says, you have my face in the dust. Mm. But you have to read the whole narrative through. What was the circumstance? What was the situation? What are they grieving? And where did they end? Yeah. And you'll find that many of the Psalms begin with lament and end with worship. Uh, so I think that you you have to the way it works is it helps us see the reality of the humans in the scripture and the faithfulness of God in their lives. Mm. Can I jump in on that a little bit? Yeah, please do, Mike. I don't want to take steal any time, but I appreciate what you guys are talking about because feelings are genuine, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. part of human human life, right? Um, but they shouldn't be dismissed. Yeah. And too often, I think um, we we dismiss them as being invalid maybe even sinful, but they're really actually a part of the journey of life that we're going through. And it's an aspect of genuine faith um, because we have a God who does care. We have yeah, a God yeah. who wants to listen, who is relational. So I think we, um, a lot of times, I think we have to be careful that we don't dismiss people's feelings quickly right away. But obviously we want to direct them back to the, as Tom shared, you know, the God of hope. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, in, a, in a book by Mark Vrokoff that I'm going to reference at the end of the end of the podcast called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. His definition for lament is, I think, really good. He says, lament is, pr is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. So I like where you're going with that, Tom. He goes the same place and it's, yeah. it's admitting our pain, it's expressing our pain, but it's turning that pain and remembering that God is sovereign and it ends in trust. A good friend of ours, uh, I remember, uh, talked about the the pattern of Christians to try to tell one another how to grieve. Mm. And her expression was, it's like being on the farm and seeing a man with his arm caught in an auger, tearing it 
shoulder from his body and coaching him on how to scream. And we have a tendency to want to do that rather than allow the anguish and then walk with them back to trusting in the Lord. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Well, well, I know, and, and probably many in our body are familiar, that, that both of you men have personally gone through painful times, painful seasons in your life. Uh, so let me let me let you start, Mike. Um, could you share briefly uh, about a season in your life that was particularly challenging? Yeah, I, I shared with my wife um, before I came here today that uh, how do you wrap 24 years mm-hmm. uh, in, in one minute, right? Because yeah. I still carry the scars not only um, physically, but the reminder yeah. of, of the experience. And it's an experience, though, that I, and quite honestly, I would tell you that I, today I can thank the Lord for it. Yeah. In fact, I could thank him early on for it because it um, quickly took me to a point where God was all ahead, mm-hmm. you know, and, and God is all that I needed seriously through that time. But, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd been on staff at Faith Bible Church. I came on staff on May 1st of 1996. And by November 11th, 1996, I found myself in a trauma surgery room, um, having been shot by a with a 20-gauge sawed-off mm-hmm. shotgun. So um, I literally was involved in ministry that evening, got called away from home on Monday, which was Tom's and my day off at the time. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, but it was it was something that Jeanette will will tell you that when I left the house at night, she knew what I was doing was something that I loved. Mm. You know, from what what we left, what God had used in our lives. I was a part time pastor, full time construction surveyor, to meet our needs. But what I walked away from was, yeah, you, from a worldly perspective, you could you could say it might have been a foolish thing, but I knew deep in my heart that what God had called me to, and so I found great joy in packing up my little car it was raining at 8 30 in the evening and, and heading off to do ministry so but yeah it was it was quite an experience it's been a 24-year journey um something the lord is still using in my life hopefully for his glory yeah wild deal um so so if i, if I recall correctly you were you were downtown lincoln um, and it was part of some sort of a gang initiation. Is yeah, that, it was. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I picked up a student who was at the University of Nebraska, and um, he was having relationship problems with a girlfriend at the time, and um, we were in the middle of praying. Yeah. And um, for some reason, I, I don't care if you pray with your eyes open or closed, but I, I looked <laughs> up. For some reason, uh, the Spirit had me look up, and two men with hoods pulled down over their eyes and bandanas on came up on either side of the car and um, tapped on my window and. Um, I knew we had to get out of there, so I did my best to get the car started, and another tap on the window, and I looked back, and I was looking down the barrel of the shotgun. So mm-hmm. it was about 10 inches from my from my face, my head, put my arm up between the barrels and my between the barrel and my eyes, and and the guy fired, um, and fired actually three times total as wow. we were trying to get out of there. So um, God, in His grace, I mean, He was merciful helped us um, miraculously get out of that situation. Um, and yeah, and the Lord really worked in marvelous ways to, to protect us and to provide for us in that tough time. Uh, so, so you find yourself in a hospital bed. Your life has been dramatically altered as a result of this one evening. Yep. What does your relationship with Christ look like in that season? What does your prayer life to Him look like? You know, my relationship with God, it, it was intriguing to me because if Jeanette were sitting here with you, uh, I, I, I would tell you that I don't um, live my life where I want to be in control of everything, mm-hmm. but that'd probably be 
somewhat of a lie, <laughs> right? I think we all want to control. It's an idol we all struggle yeah, with. Yeah, you know, we all want to control. Yeah, just just rearrange the silverware on the table when you're having dinner with Mike. <laughs> yeah, you'll yeah, yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was really true. But uh, you know, God put me mm-hmm. in a position um, where I had nothing. Um, I know Jeanette loved me. I know my family was there. But the things, the eight surgeries that I was facing, the first two were to save my forearm. Um, the third one was one that I just really panicked over, um, that I didn't know if I could handle it. Mm-hmm. My wife went home in tears knowing that the surgery, this was on a Sunday, knowing on Monday I was going to go through this particular surgery. She took a shower. She'd been to the hospital many hours, and she prayed. And by the time she came back, I was a new new man, literally a new man. She had given me Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 Mm -hmm. as a special, special prayer for for me at that particular time. And, you know, God brought me to a point where I recognized that it's about him. Mm -hmm. You know, I am not going to control this. And if I do not bow my knee and turn myself over to him, um, that's the only way I'd get through it. I mean, I saw right away that my hope was in him. Yeah, Yeah, I I speak to that because... Remember, we just had landline at the time, and yeah. it's almost midnight, and the phone rang, and it was Jeanette, and she said, Mike's been shot, we're at Brian West. And I went over, and he was still just in admission. And i never forget, I, I went in, they let me go in to see him, and the first words that Mike said was, the whoever it was doesn't need justice, he needs Jesus. And mm-hmm. that never changed. Yeah. And sat with his parents through the night as they did the surgery and all. But there was just God gave this uh, sense that there was a purpose behind this, and that that man desperately needs a savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still does. Yeah. Yeah. So how how did you grow closer to Christ through this? How did this season mold you? You know, I love that question. I've thought a lot about it. I I learned to, and I'm still learning to discover the power of the gospel in everyday life. Mm. Um, it has been a journey for me. You know, I think we talk about, frequently we hear, you know, obviously the gospel is for salvation, it's for conversion. And then for some reason, we quickly jump to we have a living hope, which is true, yeah. the reality of it is, and I'm so grateful for that. And that begins from day one of, of coming to know Christ. But we tend to then just look to the future and then someday Christ is going to return or when I leave this life, you know, I'll, my my life is secure in heaven, my soul's secure in heaven, but I learned, and I'm still on that journey, but to discover the power of the gospel in everyday life, every day. And so my relationship with Christ, the gospel became, there's so many riches and the depths within the gospel that we just, so many nuggets of truth and so many nuggets of grace and mercy that we need to, you know, dig for and we need to see uncovered in our lives. So it's really, the gospel's changed my life. Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, let me move back to you, Tom, because um, because I, I know, like I said before, uh, you, you've you've walked through some deep waters over the course of your life. Um, could you share briefly about a season um, in your life and what that's looked like for you? Well, it's kind of interesting because uh, Mike and I have been hanging out together since '95, working together since '96, and uh, he walked through those many of those the same way. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, Don Marie's losing battle with cancer probably uh, tested our faith more than anything because she was the family evangelist. She just Mm -hmm. had a unique way of engaging people for a conversation about Jesus and uh, didn't make uh, didn't make sense at that time. And uh, um, 
so yeah, and so I, when Mike was in the hospital, I had the privilege of sitting with his family. But uh, he sat with my he was he was our family pastor hmm. through the whole season. Always has been. I, I think I was a I think I was a good father and dad during that time, but I was a pretty bad pastor to my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just trying to make sense out of the scriptures, and I think I represented God well, but when he chose not to not to extend her life, but to take her, I went through a season not of, not of I don't think, doubt or disbelief, just disappointment yeah. in God. And I think that was our lament season of uh, just trying to understand that. Mm-hmm. So so what did what did your relationship with Christ look like? What did your prayer life look like in that season when you were really wrestling? Uh it was very simple. As one man said, you you go into the bedroom door, you hit your knees, slide up to the edge of the bed and you say, God help. Yeah. Uh, you just you just you know what you want, you desperately want. Uh, I would say that we misread so many of the scriptures during that mm-hmm. time and so many people that we really had confidence in, trust in it, that, that were not mystical in any way, would receive direction from the Lord of encouragement that seemed to promise an outcome that was different than the reality was going mm-hmm. to be. And so trying to sort that through, I, 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 I abused the Psalms repeatedly for that two-year period of time and had to go back and rethink how to read psalms again which is why i'm in them every day now so uh yeah i would i would say in in the midst of it it was just a a, an unshakable confidence that we had one place to turn only and we would turn there but also recognizing that he didn't need my advice even though i had a lot of opinions Mm. about how he should manage things yeah yeah no doubt and ultimately, um, how did you grow closer to Christ through through that experience? Well, it, my father-in-law once said that sometimes God takes a lamb in order to draw the sheep close to Himself, and mm. uh, so we we stand on the driveway and look up into the dark sky at night sometimes and say, "Up there somewhere, there is a heaven, and there is a God, and we have a daughter waiting mm. for us." And so it really disengages although it was it was interesting that uh when her daughter left she left everything three children a husband all of her clothing and all of her jewelry and her new home and for a season we we just said things don't matter anymore mm-hmm. and so we held all that we had with a very loose grip we even uh, quit locking our house on South Street because we said, if they want it, just come and get it. Why break a window to have it? Yeah. And about eight months into that one time, we were backing out of the driveway, going to the grocery store. And I said to Linda, I said, you know what you just did? She goes, no. I said, you locked the back door. Mm-hmm. So the lessons we learn, we, we quickly forget. I think that's probably the biggest. Lament teaches you things. But if you don't review it frequently, you forget the lesson learned. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder. Uh, well, I appreciate both of you men's willingness to share um, kind of what you walked through. And if I, if I can highlight some of the, the, the key points that I noted both of you speaking to is the, the experience and the pain was real. You know, and, and part of what we recognize in a season where we're aware that there's disease in the world or, or what we recognize when a loved one passes is that the world is not the way it should be. Um, and, and you both men have appropriately spoken to, this is not right. You know, Mike, you shouldn't have gotten shot. 
you know, Tom, your daughter should not have passed away. And we, we recognize that the world is not as it should be. Uh, it's fundamentally broken. And expressing that to God, because God of any people uh, is with us on that. <laughs> He's like, this is not what I created you for in that season. But, but ultimately, both of you expressed it as well, resting in that truth of God's sovereignty and who we know him to be, our refuge in time of trouble, um, that idea. Um, so, so let me shift gears a little bit from, from your personal story to how do we help our listeners to do this themselves as, as we walk through difficult times. And again, we're aware that for many of us, difficult times may be just around the corner, whether it be family situations or job situations or any number of things that are going on, um, whether it be right now or sometime in the future. Um, I'll start with you, Tom, and then move to Mike. How, how do we lament well? Well, I, I think we have to face life with a realistic view. It, it does no good to pretend that it's not painful or that it's not happening. And, uh, but I, I think we have, to bring, we have to bring faith and facts together. Mm-hmm. And when we combine faith with facts, it'll wipe out the fear. I mean, it's just, you know, God is, God is still in control. I, I had just started to teach a systematic theology class on the attributes of God, and I had just taught the subject of his immutability. Mm-hmm. And I went back to that over and over. God does not change. So we have to, as we're going into that, we have to remember God has not changed. He is still faithful. He is still true, and he's still dependable. Mm-hmm. So we acknowledge that we're, we've got these questions, these feelings, these fears, but we also acknowledge that God is greater, and we try to bring those two together. Mm, yeah, preaching to our own hearts, our own souls in that moment. I love the way Psalm 42 and 43 put that. Uh, how about you, Mike? How, how do we lament well in this season? Well, I really love what Tom was saying because um, lament really helps us um, look at the character of God mm. um, and understand his attributes. And uh, Brent, or um, Brad, I got some of this from the book that you're going to highlight, but lament, it allows us to, get, to gaze at the rubble of our life, at the discouragements, of the challenges, because we're all going to face them. I mean, you highlighted that very well, but it also helps us turn our eyes to the Redeemer, you know, of, of the very hurt that we're feeling and experiencing. So I think lament... And I love it reading through the Psalms and um, Lamentations because there is, and Tom's highlighting that really well as we're going through Route 66, because it points us to a portrait of Christ, and there is a Redeemer. Um, God made that. You're right. I mean, God did not create this, no. you know, to be our lives in the world, to be what, no. the way it is today. And sin entered the world, but so quickly God provided for us. So I think I love the fact that lament allows us to turn our mm. gaze away from the challenges, away from the mm. concerns, away from those um, challenges that we're facing, but to look to Christ, look to the one who is truly trustworthy and faithful, mm. who is completely trustworthy and faithful. Yeah, I would, I would add to that. It, w- w- without loss and without sorrow, we would be very comfortable staying here forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, we, you know, lament causes us to long for heaven. Mm. And the coming of Jesus. I mean, we, every day is a good day for a trumpet. Yeah. Some days is better. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So if I can summarize, maybe the two, the two errors or pitfalls we tend to fall into when we don't understand lament correctly is on the one side, we deny the pain. We, we, we want to reject the fact that there's challenges in the world, that there's difficult times that we go through, when the reality is what Scripture teaches is we should express those to the only person who truly understands, to God, because he's the one that gets it. And then we can't stop there. Even if we truly express things to God and and let him know about our pain, that brings us to kind of the second issue is we don't turn the corner. 
we forget to remind ourselves in the moment that in spite of the pain, God is sovereign. And and allow that prayer, allow that season to end with remembering, even if it's like <laughs> pulling teeth in that moment, remember that God is in charge and that he has our best interests at heart. Um, and, and try to move through that as, as we seek to, to express that to God and then remind ourselves of who he is. Uh, well, guys, um, at the end of this, any, any final thoughts as we kind of move into preparing for next week on this subject, things you'd like the body to hear? Well, if it's okay, I, w- I would challenge people to, to look at Psalm 13, Psalm 22, mm-hmm. Psalm 77. I mean, there's so many in there, but I was looking before I came here, I was looking at Psalm 13. It's six short verses, but it's a wonderful example. I mean, it shows us a connection between lament and turning to God. I mean, the psalmist, uh, it's a psalm of David, but he's able to share his feelings. He's able to share his heart. He's able to share the challenges, the struggles, the deep pain that he's experiencing. But then in verse 5, he says, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So in the midst of all that, and in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our struggles, it's an opportunity for us to consider who God is. Mm. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. And we end it with songs and and words of praise because he and he alone is the one that brings hope and offers hope. Amen. Amen. Well, Tom, if you're okay, that feels like the right way uh, to end our discussion. I would just Uh, just say amen to that and pass the offering plate. There there you go. Uh, There you go. Tom or Mike thinks he shouldn't preach, but he preaches quite a bit to me at least. Um, okay, so coming back to you, Tom, as we hit the exit ramp here, uh, you have the person of, of Rahab this Sunday. Um, you'll preach it tomorrow night, but it, it'll be heard by our body sometime this weekend, probably Sunday morning. Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, preaching about on Rahab? Well, just a uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I am Rahab and you are Rahab. And yeah. it is an amazing story of redeeming grace. Uh, so like I said, I was up at 2 o'clock this morning writing it out before I forgot it. But uh, when CNN gave the report to the people in Jericho that the Israelites are coming, the Canaanite News Network had no hope at all. No. And yet there is one that in that whole city that believed, and that was Rahab. A wonderful story, no doubt, buried in the book of Joshua. Uh, what about interpretive questions? Is there anything tricky you're still wrestling with in your study? Well, the big question is, uh, if all of our sins are buried at the foot of the cross, why is it repeatedly through her life, when she is named, they identify her as Rahab the prostitute? Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, how can we prepare our hearts for the message on Sunday? Well, I think by being honest that with the word prostitute on her name, we have tendency to think that she is a sinner of a level that we are not and never could be. And we need to be honest enough to admit that I too need to hear a message of a God who forgives, who saves, and enormously blesses. I won't go with all the spoiler alerts, but it's a shocking story of hope. Yeah, no doubt. Amen. Well, we'll look forward to hearing that message um, on Sunday. Hopefully, many of you will tune in. Uh, whether you're normal 9 o'clock or 10.30 service attenders, it'll be up on the website in advance so that you can you can worship with your family on Sunday this weekend. Well, thank you again for joining us this week. We're, we're so glad that you joined us. Um, 
I, I appreciate your willingness to stick in here. Uh, we enjoy the opportunity to, to speak to the situation we're facing right now. Uh, remember, as you're prepping for Rahab on Sunday, uh, you can read Joshua 2 and 6 uh, as part of the reading, uh, the weekly reading for the Route 66 sermon series. And if you're interested in more information on the subject of lament, I, I would highly recommend Mark Vrokob's and I, let me let me spell that. It's Mark and then V R O E G O P. His book entitled "Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy: Discovering the Grace of Lament." Um, I think it would be an encouragement to your heart. I know it was when I read it for myself. But uh, know that know that we are praying for you. Um, in particular, as this this challenging season faces us as a church and as a community, uh, though we aren't able to see you from week to week as we've grown accustomed to over the last few weeks, uh, we are praying for you, praying for your hearts in this season, on this challenging time, praying that you would know how to lament well to God in this time. And we do hope you join us again next week as we get ready for the next person and the next individual in our reading, and that being Rahab. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.